Hello, 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 and welcome once again to Corpus Cast as ever. I'm your host, Robbie Love. I'm a linguist at Aston University, and you're listening to the Aston Originals podcast, all about corpus linguistics and what it can do for society. As you know by now, in each episode, I interview uh, one or more researchers to find out how corpus linguistics is informing the present and shaping the future of the study of language uh, with applications in education, health, technology, and many others. Uh, now for some uh, recent news uh, in the Corpus Linguistics Conference world. Um, I had the pleasure uh, of announcing recently uh, at the Corpus Linguistics Conference in Lancaster uh, in July um, that the next Corpus Linguistics Conference, CL2025, will be co-hosted by us at Aston University along with colleagues at Birmingham City University and the University of Birmingham in July 2025. So uh, I'm very excited uh, about this. Um, it's it's going to be a, a, a great conference, I'm sure, and the next two years will um, be very busy with, with, with getting things ready for that and welcoming hundreds of corpus linguists to uh, the city of Birmingham in 2025. But for today's episode, uh, we will be hearing the story of Sketch Engine, a corpus query and management system from lexical computing, uh, and one of the best known and widely used corpus platforms, uh, which is soon to celebrate 20 years of facilitating research in lexicography, language learning, and of course, corpus linguistics more broadly. Uh, so here to tell us the story of Sketch Engine is uh, Dr. Milos Yakubicek, CEO of Lexical Computing, a research company working in the area of language technologies, primarily at the intersection of corpus and computational linguistics and computer lexicography. Uh, an, NL an NLP researcher and software engineer, uh, Milos's research interests are devoted mainly to two fields, effective processing of very large text corpora and parsing of morphologically rich languages. Um, the story of Sketch Engine is, is, is a big one, and um, I'm very excited to, to hear all about uh, this tool and, and how it came to be um, in the position that it's, that it's in today as, as such a widely used and widely known corpus tool. So without any further ado, uh, let's welcome Milos to CorpusCast. Hi, hello Milos. Uh, welcome. Hello, Robbie. Sorry, Mike. Thanks for the introduction. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, we, we have met face-to-face uh, uh, -face long before the, the days of the pandemic, but it has been several years, and, and so it's great to, to, to get the chance to, to catch up with you here. Uh, and um, I believe you're joining us from um, a, a, a recording booth, which is actually more high-tech than, than what I get here, mostly sitting um, at home with my cat somewhere purring nearby. Where are you, where are you at the moment? Indeed, I'm at a small booth uh, that is equipped for uh, when for the time when we record pronunciation for dictionary entries, uh, so that the people, the editors that actually make the recordings are not interrupted by me laughing loudly, for instance. Uh, so, and of course, it's a room that we occasionally also use for, um, uh, you know, calls like this. Right. Well, um, yes, you're you're in the perfect place uh, to record a podcast. So um, very much appreciate uh, uh, you being there. And um, we'll get started now with a with a, a, a big question. I suppose I always ask at the start uh, of each episode, which is, what does corpus linguistics mean to you? Oh, uh, I I think that's um, that's a good question to start with. Uh, and uh, perhaps my answer will be a bit bored, but I certainly see corpus linguistics as a as a way for linguistics to be simply more scientific. Uh, it might not be a very popular, you know, opinion, but um, I'm quite convinced about it. So, uh, corpora, uh, the development of corpora and tools that allow researchers to uh, interrogate corpora, simply uh, made it possible for people to discuss their findings and to base their find findings on some, um, you know, factual evidence, right? Uh, so um, for me, this is really uh, about um, making linguistics um, more evidence-based. I see, I see. Yes, and th this is a, a theme that 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 does come up um, often in, in these discussions around 
scaling up and and sort of improving the the uh, empirical uh, validity of the claims that, that that people are making and and certainly sketch engine as we'll get on to discussing um with the size of, of uh, many of the corpora that are hosted on there well into the billions and billions of words certainly helps with with that endeavor uh, specifically um but i want to hear more about your own uh, journey i suppose um Tell us about your your early days in your uh, academic life and and sort of give us a sketch, pardon the pun, um, of of your own kind of career. Yeah, I think um, you know my my own career is um, the older I uh, the older I get the the more the more uh, sort of uh, um, fascinated I am by the fact how I ended up doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, years ago, years ago. 20, 25 years ago, um, before uh, entering the university, um, I was interested in both maths and languages. Um, my mother uh, used to be a teacher of German at a high school. And then uh, after 1990, after the World Weather Revolution here in Czechia, uh, she uh, started working as a court translator for German. Uh, and my father was an economist. And uh, so I had both of these influences uh, in my family. And uh, by the time I had to choose which university to go to, um, uh, I chose Masaryk University, uh, following the advice of my um, of my high school teacher, basically, who said, you know, when you can't really decide, you should go for the more universal option. Uh, and, you know, that was one of the things that uh, led to the fact that I'm um, sitting here uh, in front of you uh, at this moment, because uh, at Masaryk University, at the Faculty of Informatics, where I uh, enrolled into a, a computer science bachelor program, uh, I've soon met uh, people uh, from the Natural Language Processing uh, Center here. Um, that was by the time led by Professor Pala, and uh, where uh, already uh, Pablo Richley, one of the founders of Alexical Computing, um, the company behind Sketch Engine, uh, was employed. Uh, so, um, you know, soon before I was finishing, uh, the, the bachelor's, I, I started working in the NLP lab, uh, and perhaps a year after that, um, uh, I started being involved, uh, in, in sketch engine and in the, in the company, uh, behind it. Um, so, uh, you know, that was another, uh, sort of, um, uh, um, happy, uh, coincidence that um, I simply uh, met those people here at, um, uh, at the Masaryk University by that time. And uh, so, um, you know, I, my, my background really is computer science uh, for both the bachelor and master studies uh, with specialization for natural language processing. And at the end of my master's, I studied uh, in Zabrikan for half a year at the Corpus Linguistics uh, Department. Um, and then I returned back to Masaryk University and, and I uh, did my PhD here as well. Uh, kind of interrupted because um, in the middle of the week, my PhD, uh, Adam Kilgariff, who we'll be talking about later, uh, to a great extent, I believe the founder of Sketch Engine died. Mm. Um, and I took over the company. Uh, so, you know, for a couple of years, I uh, had no time continuing with my PhD and finished it a bit later. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, you know, um, when I look back before I even, uh, entered the university, I was working in an NGO for a short while as a volunteer. And, uh, we did a lot of youth exchanges between, you know, German, French and, and Czech, um, youngsters. And we, you know, visited former concentration camps and, and so on. And, um, a friend of mine, uh, who's, uh, family basically all ended up in, in Auschwitz and he himself uh, was lucky to escape from another of the uh, concentration camp uh, and by the time uh, he was you know over 80 certainly when I consulting uh, when I consulted what to do wh which university to go to um, with him um, you know at some point uh, he mentioned like well you know uh, you say that you like math and you say that you like uh, languages Perhaps you could make some software for dictionaries. Uh, you know, by the time I, I must admit, I found that idea completely silly. And just before, <laughs> just because I, I really valued that person, it was my dear friend, an elderly person, you know, a Holocaust survivor. I just didn't go into an argument telling him, I, oh, come on, I mean, so, you know, software for dictionaries, such a stupid idea. Uh, 
uh, you know, it, it really, it took me quite some years until I actually record this in my memory, uh, you know, after being employed in, in lexical computing for perhaps five or six years, uh, that actually, you know, uh, yeah, well, he was right. And I, I was stupid back then, but, um, you know, um, that's what happened. Wow. The, 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 that's a fascinating story that the seed was sort of planted in your mind, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and clearly, uh, stayed with you, uh, even subliminally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to pick up on something. You, you, you said that you started out by studying computer science as an undergraduate. Yeah. At, at what point was the, the, the linguistic kind of aspect introduced? Was that sort of part of that undergraduate program or, or did the NLP slash corpus linguistics have come a little bit later? Yes, it was part of the undergraduate program mm -hmm. already because uh, we, you know, we were able to choose, say, specializations for the general computer science um, background. Uh, and in order to choose a specialization, one had to take additional courses. And those courses were, uh, you know, partly technically oriented as for the natural language processing and partly they were simply linguistically oriented. Um, and, you know, I, I find it absolutely necessary. Uh, I mean, uh, anyone, you know, I, I would really say that anyone that who wants to do NLP properly needs to have some sort of elementary linguistic background to understand um, simply the data one is working with. Do you sort of sense or do you, do you observe that there are a lot of people in what you might call computational linguistics, natural mm -hmm. language processing, who don't necessarily have uh, much of a linguistics background? Well, definitely, because uh, part of the community is simply being driven by um, machine learning engineers who uh, apply machine learning approaches to all kinds of data sets. Uh, whether it is uh, in the field of vision or, you know, uh, text processing, uh, speech processing, you name it. Mm. Um, and for them, they, they take, uh, so they take natural language just as another, um, you know, data set, so pretty much random data set to work with. Uh, and I'm not particularly happy with that, not for some, um, not for being a purist about, uh, you know, these things and, um, insisting on, on anyone having some kind of formal education uh, in terms of the theory and so on and so on. Um, but uh, rather from the perspective uh, of uh, my experience based on that those um, that results, uh, scientific results coming from these approaches uh, frequently suffer some uh, uh, rather major um, problems uh, in terms of evaluation, in terms of uh, data annotation, uh, in terms of actually uh, making the results usable outside of the of a lab environment, right? So yes, um, I think part of the community definitely doesn't follow what uh, I would see as a sort of uh, preferential way um, but that's the way it is. I mean, then there is the other half that I think uh, understands very well uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe this is a, an oversimplification, but I, I see it perhaps as a, as a bit of two sides of the same coin where you might have, um, you know, computer scientists who are working with language data but don't have so much of a linguistic background. So methodologically, at least in terms of the, the, the working with data at scale and the statistical approach and things like that, highly sophisticated, but maybe the theoretical, uh, you know, input and the theoretical interpretation, not so much. <laughs> On the other side, maybe you have lots of linguists who uh, enter into the corpus linguistics space and, you know, a lot of the issues in corpus linguistics are probably on balance more methodological than they are theoretical relatively in terms of misapplication of a certain methodological approach or, you know, misinterpretation of the output of uh, a statistical uh, analysis. Would you say that, I mean, that, that might be completely yeah, I, 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 simplified. I, 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 
Yes, uh, I, I I agree. I understand what you're saying, definitely. Uh, I would be maybe uh, quite self-critical here in terms that, uh, you know, at conferences, I frequently meet people uh, with background in, in linguistics saying, you know, I know I should learn more about programming, statistics, regular expressions, and so on. And, and I try to do that and so on. And uh, regardless of whether people achieve or not, they are aware of this. Mm. Uh, whereas I'm much less, uh, you know, convinced uh, about this happening at the other side of the coin. Okay. Uh, I'm not really uh, meeting a lot of, uh, you know, NLP people uh, or generally, you know, IT guys, programmers uh, saying, uh, you know, I, I'm now working on um, whatever, marsting, uh, mm. and, um, you know, I think I should learn more about the syntax of natural languages, uh, sadly. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and I would sort of, uh, with my background being primarily computer science, I would be self-critical uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Well, let's get started on Sketch Engine itself, of course. Uh, we're, we're here to, um, to, to have a chat about the, the story of Sketch Engine. Um, which is, uh, I believe, about to celebrate its 20th uh, anniversary or, or birthday, I suppose. But let's start with, with the big picture. Uh, for those who may not be familiar with Sketch Engine, maybe haven't used it before. Um, what is Sketch Engine in the sort of the, the broadest sense? Um, and and who, who's it for? Yeah, I guess in the broadest sense, Sketch Engine is a tool where one can uh, inspect uh, large text corpora uh, and where one can also uh, also build uh, their own uh, their own corpora uh, so uh, it's a tool that uh, at the beginning was primar primarily designed for lexicographers people making dictionaries uh, but of course uh, over the years became uh, widely used uh, in the area of uh, corpus linguistics uh, translation um, natural language processing for all say, for all kinds of technical aspects and uh, technical applications of large textual data sets, including language modeling these days, um, uh, for translators and terminologists um, and so on, copywriters. So uh, generally, I see Sketch Engine as a platform for, uh, you know, inspecting, interrogating, uh, querying large textual data sets that might be coming from uh, very, uh, very heterogeneous sources and why be applied to uh, very, very many, uh, you know, applications. So let's go back to uh, 2003, uh, which is when I believe um, Lexical Computing Limited was founded. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, the two uh, co-founders, uh, Adam Kilgariff and uh, Pavel Reichley. Um, what can you tell us? I, I appreciate you, you weren't there from day one, yeah. but... <laughs> what can you tell us about, um, you know, the the early days and, and the original idea, I suppose, behind Sketching? Yeah, I can certainly tell you what I've heard from both yeah. guys. And uh, it's actually a continuation of the series of coincidences that I was uh, mentioning earlier. Um, Pavel and Adam met completely randomly uh, at a conference uh, in Brighton in, in the UK where uh, Adam was living. And... Uh, um, Adam was by the time looking for a, a you know a decent corpus tool that uh, he could use for um, when he was working as a consultant for for various publishers um, in the UK, and uh, all the ones that he has uh, met before suffered from debt or other issues. Sometimes they suffered from technical issues. Sometimes they suffered from um, legal issues because they were um, you know perused uh, by a university uh, and uh, the IPR was completely with, with, with the university and so on and by that time he met Pavel who was a few years after his PhD his, he finished his PhD in 1999 and um, uh, his PhD uh, is more or less um, a fraction of um, the open source part of Sketch Engine that we have these days it's not uh, it's not the complete uh, no sketch engine that we call it. Um, it, it was a, a portion of that back then. Um, but there was something available 
that he was then uh, that he was then following up uh, on uh, after completing his PhD, and uh, he presented some uh, you know first versions of uh, a graphical user interface that was not even web based back then uh, to Adam, and um, you know Adam was um, immediately interested, and so. Uh, I think a year after that, actually a year and a half after that, um, uh, Adam uh, founded a company, Lexical Computing, um, and uh, started doing uh, what he previously was uh, doing for uh, for his customers, uh, mainly the publishing companies throughout Lexical Computing, uh, and the company, you know, started slowly but steadily growing, um, with um, you know Pavel uh, basically managing the technical part and Adam managing the um, um, business as well as, um, you know, um, scientific in terms of the lexicography scientific part. I see. So so essentially it, it, it started out as a, a freelance consultancy yeah. project for lexicography, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I remember when I first heard of um, Sketch Engine, uh, I think I was in my, I, I was in my master's year at Lancaster and I just joined the Center for Corpus Approaches to Social Science there. Um, and I was learning about a, a sort of broader kind of uh, the world out there and, and the tools and the methods that people are using. And, and I remember thinking, that's a, that's a strange name for, uh, what's it, sketching? I, I didn't sort of see the, the connection and and some you know corpus tools kind of vary i guess in the creativity in their name you know um you know, recently you've got like lanks box and okay it's a, a box of tools from lancaster okay fine you know, you know and con okay it's a concordance and the guy's called anthony i should just say the guy i, I know lawrence <laughs> well he won't be saying that but you know lawrence anthony but Ancon, it's named after him and it's a concordance fine but that sketch engine i thought what one none of this uh, sort of on the surface you know connects but of course it comes from the word sketch which i think was kind of the 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 big kind of early innovation right um what what does a word sketch offer um you know as opposed to other approaches to well what is a word sketch and, and what does it offer compared to kind of other approaches to exploring the the usage of of a word yeah, uh, I mean, if you go to the Sketch Engine website and you, you look up the definition of a word sketch, it says roughly um, it's a one-page summary of a word's collocational behavior. Um, and, um, of course, that's a very neat one-sentence definition. Uh, but I guess the longer version of that is actually that uh, what Adam simply wanted to do uh, was uh, investing, uh, investigating the collocational behavior, the contextual behavior of words uh, through collocations uh, while using as, um, as much linguistic information as possible, right? So uh, going back to the time around 1999, there were already uh, many uh, lexicographic association measures um, developed uh, for finding collocations, uh, you know, uh, perhaps the most widely known was the MI score by Church and Hanks paper from 1991, if I'm not mistaken. And um, those were all based on the fact that you simply uh, look at a certain window around the uh, the keyword uh, in context. So you take the five preceding and five following words, for instance, and that's uh, uh, that's what you use for the calculations. And um, you know, everyone knows and everyone knew already back then that this is kind of suboptimal. So um, uh, w what Adam simply wanted to do, uh, because uh, he had a NLP background as well, uh, he wanted to use the tools that were already back then available for, um, you know, part of speech tagging, climatization, uh, uh, partially uh, also parsing, at least sh shallow parsing, to be able to produce better results, right? And uh, through that, he was able to come up with uh, collocations that were clustered um, by means of uh, different syntactic relations, let's put it very simply. And uh, he was looking for a name, how to, how to call that. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, you know, uh, he was very creative with concerns naming uh, as well. So uh, 
he started calling that calling calling that a word sketch, and uh, then the final product was simply called Sketch Engine as an engine that produces uh, word sketches. Uh, it took quite a long time, though I think, uh, until uh, you know when it, when you were googling for Sketch Engine, mm-hmm. uh, it, it took a while until uh, the the product became uh, the the first item. Uh, not preceded by uh, various other types of engines, uh, you know, hydraulic engines and other types of yes. engines. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, there's uh, illustrations well, of engines, right? Yeah, exactly. There illustrations of engines. engines. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, it, it was kind of an investment into the name, I guess. Yeah, but, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it is absolutely kind of uh, exclusively kind of connected now. You know, it's such a unique. Uh, I guess collocation in and of itself is a sketch engine. It's not yeah. something you really hear put together in many other contexts. Um, you, you know, as we said earlier, you you um, are currently, you know, now the, the CEO of Lexical Computing. Uh, you were you weren't there from day one. Uh, tell us a bit more about how, at what point, you sort of joined Lexical Computing and, and became involved with with developing and and, and working on on sketch engine. Yeah, uh, well, going back to uh, sort of my story, uh, I started at Maastricht University in the in the bachelor course in 2005, and then uh, in 2007, I started being involved in the NLP lab, and in 2008, I started partially working for Lexical Computing. So uh, I was there basically from 2008, uh, and uh, you know, as I was saying, the company. Uh, was slowly but steadily growing, and this kind of organic uh, grow uh, is something that I try to maintain, and I'm kind of happy with uh, in terms of the sustainability of the, of the whole thing. So uh, by the time of uh, 2000 and I guess 10, uh, there were some seven people, maybe including Adam, involved in the company. Um, and that was already sort of uh, enough to, to justify making a separate branch here uh, in Czechia. So by the time there was a separate uh, company owned by the by the UK one uh, that was simply employing the, the local team here in Brno and that um, I was kind of administratively managing as well, uh, which was you know very simple with such a small team. And um, and the and the whole um, you know com- company then simply continue grow- growing. Um, at this moment, we've got some um, twenty five uh, co-workers. Um, not all of them working full time, of course, and some of them still uh, being, for instance, PhD students. Um, and uh, the structure changed a bit because uh, after Adam died, uh, I've reshuffled or reorganized the structure so that the mother company is now here in Czechia and and uh, um, the branch is kept in the UK. I see, I see. And and we will, um, you know, talk more more uh, in, in a little bit about um, about Adam sort of specifically and, and, and his role and and, um, and and those circumstances. Um, in terms of how Sketch Engine has changed over the last nearly two decades. Um, there's a paper that I always cite whenever I say that I've used Sketch Engine in my research, which is Kilgariff et al. 2004. Um, and, and that, you know, is is kind of the the introduction, I suppose, to, to Sketch Engine, very much, you know, at the very beginning of, of its journey. And then in 2014, uh, a decade later, there's another paper by uh, Adam and a larger team, including yourself, of course, by that point, um, you know, reviewing the first decade of Sketch Engine and talking about how, um, you know, its sort of utility has, has grown a little bit, or quite a lot, actually, in the first decade. Um, and, and you, you know, you see it going from kind of really purely about lexicography, as you said, uh, the, the original impetus, to you know, expanding into sort of language teaching, translation, discourse analysis, kind of more broadly defined corpus linguistics research. Um, assuming, or, or you know, hypothetically, let's say that there's a sketch engine team 2024 paper. I'm not, I'm not um, 
Darling, there is one in writing. I can say that you did not Okay, good. I was hoping there would be. Uh, that's yeah. good. I, I genuinely didn't know if there would be or not, but I, I kind of thought, yeah, that that's that would be good. So so maybe on the basis that this actually exists or it will exist, yeah. um, can you give us a bit of a preview of, of what you observe has changed in the second decade of its life? Yeah. Um, I guess... Uh... I guess I, I would split that into two uh, two aspects. One is the, say, business-oriented one. And uh, with regards Sketch Engine and Lexical Computing as a company, I think the biggest change between 2013 or 14 and uh, 2023 definitely is some kind of professionalization. Uh, going back to 2013, the company still had, um, you know, eight eight people maybe, including Adam, including, uh, you know, one accountant. And uh, that scope doesn't really uh, allow for many bells and whistles uh, in terms of uh, uh, lots of things, actually. Uh, these days, uh, I think we've got the luxury and we have managed to sort of professionalize the team and um, also the, I would say, the daily operation of the company. Uh, Thanks to the fact uh, that um, things simply got more stable. The 10 years were definitely very turbulent for the company because in late 2014, um, Adam was diagnosed with cancer and he died in May 2015. Uh, and uh, I think for a couple of years, the company was uh, just sort of uh, uh, trying to get over it. Uh, oh, which, uh, you know, which we manage. And um, that's certainly something that uh, I think all of us can be proud of, uh, that uh, we were able to maintain um, Adam's legacy. Um, we were uh, having a celebration of uh, Lexical Computing's 20th uh, just about a month ago uh, before the ELEX conference started here in Brno. And uh, we had a small party um, where I was saying, well, all that we try to do is not to destroy what he started. And I think, you know, that's, uh, uh, I think that really fits, right? And um, thanks to things becoming more stable um, and more professional, we are now able to do just a lot more than we were able to do before. And that's the other aspect. So what changed for the users and uh, in terms of the function functionalities and so on. So Sketch Engine at, uh, at this time offers corpora for over 100 languages, uh, which is uh, which is a lot. And uh, all of these languages, they need some care, uh, particularly because we are still convinced that uh, linguistically informed methods uh, for many applications um, um, work better and are worth the efforts. Uh, despite living in the era of, uh, you know, large language models um, that definitely, uh, you know, are beneficial and uh, uh, are just, you know, um, another uh, evolutionary step in terms of uh, the whole natural language processing. <clears throat> there are still, you know, use cases where uh, uh, where we believe into in linguistically informed methods. And uh, that means that we need to uh, maintain, um, you know, a set of processing tools for 100 languages uh, and have, uh, you know, native speakers, consultants for 100 languages and so on and so on and so on. Uh, and thanks to, uh, you know, the company slowly but steadily growing, we were able to um, to do that simply, uh, as well as to reach um, other types of users that primarily were not addressed and are not discussed a lot definitely and not in the in the 2004 paper and only marginally in the 2014 paper like for instance uh, the terminologists so uh, we've uh, a couple of years ago we've developed a standalone tool uh, for um, extraction of terminology that is based on sketch engine and uh, it's certainly an area where we uh, have a, a quickly growing user base uh, of people, users, companies, corporations that uh, are actually not related to lexicography, not related to uh, linguistics or corpus linguistics, uh, that don't have corpora, they, they just have texts that they mm -hmm. need to process. They don't really want to know about corpora. Uh, 
but they, you know, they take care about uh, terminology, about consistent use of uh, uh, glossaries that they have uh, developed uh, industrially or academically that, that doesn't matter and so on. Um, you know, years ago, many years ago, actually, I think already when the company started, one of the uh, one of the uh, slogans that Adam was using for a sketch engine was corpora for all, right? Mm. Uh, I, I think uh, it, we, cer we are certainly not there. And I think that uh, actually if, if, if uh, there is one advantage or, or sort of, I'll say, um, uh, one big benefit of uh, large language models uh, becoming so, or having such a, such a big attention from general public is that thanks to ChatGPT, uh, soon um, everyone will know what a corpus is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is sometimes also funny because uh, a couple of weeks ago I read a newspaper article claiming that uh, the OpenAI company invented the term token. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, uh, yes, well, uh, regardless of, uh, you know, who invented the term and, and so on, uh, I think that uh, part of the sketch engine contribution is uh, bringing corpora even to people that really uh, are not interested in corpora and aware of text being mm -hmm. called corpora, but making use of uh, uh, corpus linguistics. This is a, a, a complete aside, but it, it, it's very interesting that you brought up AI and, and um, at the recent corpus linguistics conference, you know, that was coming up quite a lot of course in, in conversations with it being really it's not even been a year since since chat GPT was was released in November 2022 um and there were you know lots of discussions of sort of around what impact that may have specifically in the field of corpus linguistics in terms of research but also tools and tool development I mean again you know do you see sort of that kind of direction of, of AI informed corpus analysis? Do you see that as kind of the, the almost inevitable path that, that we're going to end up going down or? Uh, well, yes, no. uh, um, you know, there, there's no doubt that, uh, this evolution of, um, statistical methods in NLP, uh, and language models development associated with that. Uh, will continue and uh, that it will be used and will be heavily used. And uh, that the fact that it became uh, openly available uh, and um, easy to use and that it produces something that, uh, that uh, NLP struggles so far heavily, namely that it produces fluent text mm -hmm. that it no longer looks like, um, you know, machine generated, uh, that that will stay, uh, and uh, that that it is in principle a good thing and, and a scientific progress. On the other hand, um, one of the um, one of the dogmas of sketch engine, I think, uh, was uh, and uh, and will be, I, I hope, definitely as long as I will be in charge, uh, that um, one needs to be able to go back to the actual corpus evidence, verify uh, any claims that the automatic tools, regardless of whether it is sketch engine or something else, mm -hmm. uh, that, the, that the automation has actually established. Uh, and I always found that extremely important because, uh, you know, being an NLP researcher, I know what kind of stupid errors may happen um, across the whole processing pipeline, regardless of uh, tools that you use. You know, errors simply happen, and uh, for any professional use of um, corpora, one should be simply able to verify uh, any automatic outputs. And this verification simply means going back to the concordance and read the concordance, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, w one of the things that you can always find in Sketch Engine, in all the functionalities, in all the outputs, is a concordance link that you can click on. And check whether you know what the system thinks uh, 
is actually correct or whether it's a result of some, you know, artifact in the data or artifact of some technical processing and so on. And uh, the language model uh, as such, uh, you know, it hides all of that, right? It's just a language model. It's a probability, probabilistic distribution uh, with no uh, possibility of backtracing, backtracking uh, to the uh, to the actual uh, corpus evidence. So in a way, uh, you know, using that instead of many other existing tools that are there uh, would be um, methodologically, I think, uh, a step back, right? Uh, now, uh, that's, of course, then a task for everyone, how to combine the best of both approaches uh, for, um, you know, future development and so on, because uh, there are certainly many tasks that uh, the, the large language models can uh, handle much better than uh, any other state-of-the-art approaches. Uh, in the context of lexicography, uh, this is in the first place uh, definition finding. I mean, uh, Sketch Engine and Lexical Computing has been busy with uh, the automation of dictionary production really for the past 20 years. And um, making good dictionary definitions, sense definitions, entry definitions, uh, that was one of the tasks, one of the hardest tasks with no real existing solutions that could compete with, uh, uh, you know, human editors. And uh, in this respect, ChatGPT or the language models became really complementary because uh, they get stuck at many other uh, parts of the sort of lexicographic production. Uh, surprisingly, for instance, also uh, including uh, examples finding because um, mm. the, the examples are invented and yeah. uh, um, you know simply uh, not as good as many other corpus-based approaches. But uh, the definition finding uh, works perfectly, so uh, it would be stupid not to use it, right? Uh, what one needs to be able to um, combine uh, the methods so as to be able to uh, preserve what we actually started with. So preserve the fact that corpora uh, help uh, linguistics and lexicography be more evidence-based, be more scientific. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about the, so going back to, to Sketch Engine and, and looking at the, the present day, um, you mentioned that the team has grown uh, over the, the last two decades um, and the, the scale of the operation. Of, of course, you know, as, as we said from the beginning, lexical computing and, and by extension, you know, Sketch Engine is a, it's a commercial operation um, and you know, compared to many other corpus tools, which are sort of freeware, um, you know, software or otherwise freely accessible, you know, a benefit of this is that the sort of infrastructure around that and the support and the, the staff and sort of being able to to respond to queries and and implement you know new new functions quite quite rapidly. Um, what sort of scale in terms of and, and I appreciate you you may not be able to sort of share specifics, but in terms of the growth of the, the scale of the users, kind of the user base and, and the, the kind of the size of the operation from, from that perspective, what's the kind of present day, you know, situation looking like in terms of the, the general popularity of the tool and, and, and how many people uh, use them? The present day uh, statistics says that Sketch Engine has some 50,000 active users. So uh, 50,000 people that uh, use the tool uh, at least once per month as you know, separate individuals. And those are coming from um, between two and 300 uh, universities uh, worldwide, uh, as well as from, uh, of course, dictionary publishers and uh, various private companies mm. working um, uh, in NLP, uh, as well as governmental institutions. Um, I guess, uh, you know, the key aspect of for us in terms of the business development is that, um, and I was you know, mentioning that already a couple of times, uh, we like growing, but slowly and steadily. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I've refused any, uh, you know, investors that, that were interested over the, over the years, as well as Adam did. Uh, and uh, in a way, um, Adam founded the company because he needed a vehicle for himself. Mm -hmm. uh, to um, carry out the research that he liked. And uh, he wasn't able to find that vehicle within the academia. Uh, 
for a number of reasons, uh, because, uh, you know, universities, uh, are very good at, uh, you know, creativity, uh, and, uh, generally I would say, uh, scientific freedom, uh, and, uh, you know, carrying out basic research and so on, uh, and are simply not so good at, uh, providing, uh, sustainability, uh, and long-term maintenance and so on. And, uh, that's just because they are not designed to, they, they shouldn't be doing that. Right. I mean, uh, um, sometimes people, and I meet people that, that say that universities should become more say business oriented or something like that. Uh, you know, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't, I don't believe that one can have both. Right. Uh, I've been talking to a large number of, uh, what is typically called, um, uh, say IPR department of university it has a different name in English that I can't really uh, recall uh, recall now uh, simply the department that you need to talk to when to when you for instance want to uh, uh, sub-license something from a university and so on I see and, yeah. uh, sorry I see yeah. yes oh, yeah. so we go part of HR yeah something like that yeah yeah, yeah. And, um, and all of them were always quite desperate in terms of, uh, uh, well, simply not being able to be competitive with the businesses and being hated from inside of the university from, uh, making, from becoming an obstacle, uh, that prevents people from widespreading their research and so on. And I really think that this is, this is inevitable. Uh, the university is here to, to carry out, uh, research and science and teaching and education, not to, um, uh, you know, uh, make daily business. And so therefore, uh, Adam, uh, made this small company for himself so that instead of, you know, uh, writing, uh, funding proposals, uh, he was, you know, invoicing his customers, uh, and, uh, hereby getting money that, uh, that allow him to, uh, maintain what he liked to do in a sustainable way. Uh, with no, you know, every three, four, five years interruption that um, is inevitable in public funding at some point. Uh, and I think that's an attitude that is still partially maintained throughout the company. So half of the stuff, uh, maybe not half, maybe, well, certainly a third, uh, are PhDs in uh, either computer science or linguistics. And uh, uh, in a way, this idea of uh, having a vehicle that allows us to do what we like to do and that uh, many of us would otherwise be doing uh, in, a, in an academic context, uh, including myself, uh, this idea sim simply uh, r remains. Uh, a series of the, of the coincidences that I've mentioned certainly includes the fact that, um, you know, if Adam hadn't died, uh, I likely uh, would have had uh, a partial affiliation uh, at, uh, you know, academia and partial affiliation here in the company. I, I still have a 5% affiliation with Masaryk University occasionally, uh, you know, teaching and uh, leading some students, but, uh, you know, that would be a, otherwise, I guess, more balanced uh, if Adam would be still here. But um, yeah, things developed uh, in this way. And, uh, so the daily operations really, uh, look, uh, look in this way, having 50,000, uh, 50,000 users means that, um, the, just the daily operation of the company is much more demanding than it mm -hmm. used to be. So out of the 25 people, there are three people who just answer the support emails, uh, which, uh, you know, I used to do as well back in 2008 yeah. and nine and 10 and 11. Uh, and, um, then of course the technical equipment that, uh, that, uh, we need to have in order to, uh, to be able to, to provide the service is just much bigger and much more expensive than it used to be. So, um, that's the landscape. I mean, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, keeps telling me, you know, don't say we are a small research company, just say we are a research company. Uh, and I, I think I, I have some, uh, sort of soft spot for, for the small, I mean, I, 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 uh, there is a reason, you know, I, I couldn't work in a corporation. Uh, so I, I like being small in a way. Uh, and, uh, you know, every time we hire someone, uh, I internally think, okay, that's it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's it. 
right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, inevitably, next year, uh, we hire just another person because we either, you know, meet someone who uh, simply fits into the into the puzzle of services mm-hmm. that we provide, or we need someone because just it's too much. Uh, so yes, uh, we keep growing uh, despite sometimes trying not to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we as we start to wrap up here, you know, obviously the, a, a name that has come up a lot throughout our discussion is, of course, uh, Adam Kilgariff, who, as we've discussed, really the the kind of central sort of figure in in, in sort of initiating uh, Sketch Engine, co-founding it, and and developing in the, you know the first ten years. As you mentioned, um, Adam passed away in in 2015. Um, and in a, in a previous episode of Corpus Cast, uh, Tony McHenry was talking about the the Corpus MOOC, the the online Corpus Linguistics course that they have, and and that was sort of being developed in the kind of couple of years leading up to to Adam passing away, and and Tony made a, a recording of an interview with Adam only I think a few months uh, before he died, um, and you know I I was sort of struck by how openly you know adam documented sort of his his final months he had a, a blog and and he was very sort of open in in discussing discussing this i i wonder sort of before we finish you mentioned the word legacy earlier and i think that's that's a, a very appropriate way of putting it how, how would you kind of summarize the the impact that that adam had and and you know sort of how you kind of still feel the, the the presence of his influence sort of today you know almost uh you know 10 years on yeah well i mean the impact really can't be underestimated certainly you put it very mildly so uh, uh adam was really the person without which uh there wouldn't ever been uh you know lexical computing as sketch engine and so on and so on and um yeah i'm still uh I still, you know, remember the time with with Adam for, for uh, you know, frequently. And um, after he died, I think it was a difficult period for the company, not just uh, you know business wise, but personally. Um, uh, I, I, because it happened, everything happened also quickly. Uh, he was really. Um, I, I spent uh, a lot of time in 2014 with Adam, more time than than typically, uh, just for. Uh, you know, random locations as we were meeting with uh, at conferences and so on. Normally, we saw each other perhaps five times per year, but in 2014, we really spent a lot of time together. And it was not until late summer uh, that he complained during a dinner that you know I can't eat that much for the dinner because then mm-hmm. I have the luck pain. And two months after that, he was uh, diagnosed with a stage four bowel cancer, and uh, and he died you know six months later. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everything happened so quickly that uh, I think it really took us all time to process uh, what's going on, um, and it took a lot of time for for me definitely. Mm. And uh, the legacy of Adam is definitely maintained, not just in terms of Sketch Engine, but I I, I also hope and think in terms of the company culture. So uh, part of the reasons why uh, why um, part of the uh, coincidences that I was mentioning was also the fact that both Adam and Pavel, Pavel uh, were, are uh, such a sort of open-minded uh, and welcoming people. So, uh, you know, I remember still very well, even though it's almost 20 years when I started in the field, uh, not knowing a thing uh, about, you know, corporal lexicography and so on. Um, Adam was a very kind person. And I think that uh, was... Uh, also a significant contribution to the company that uh, allowed him to uh, actually put together uh, a, a great team of people uh, that was also interested uh, in continuing um, after his death, basically. Uh, and his, uh, yeah, you know, his legacy is definitely also maintained uh, in terms of the scientific aspects uh, concerning things like, uh, you know, maintaining links to concordancy so that everyone can check because uh, that's something that we have learned from him and, uh, you know, that I certainly uh, sign up to sign up to. And, uh, you know, um, I still don't, uh, when I said during our birthday party, uh, all my effort 
uh, uh, all my effort is not to destroy what he started. Yes, I, I think this is it, right? Uh, I'm very proud uh, of the fact that the company keeps going, uh, but uh, the basics of it were founded by Adam, and that's it. Thank you for, for sort of sharing your your reflections on the, the the massive role that that he had in all of this, and it's been really fascinating to hear you know more about the the, the story of of Sketch Engine and and how it's kind of developed into the the, the tool that it is today, um, and it's certainly something that I use very regularly uh, in 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 my own research and um, uh, increasingly you know found new ways of of, of using it. Um, Sorry for stepping in, but um, maybe uh, when we are talking about Adam's legacy, I could uh, take this opportunity for making some uh, some uh, small advertisements. So one of the uh, part of the part of Adam's legacy is also the Adam Kilgariff Prize. That ah, we, yeah, uh, we started oh. after Adam's death, mm. and so let me use this opportunity to invite uh, everyone to submit applications because we had the fifth iteration, I think. Now, oh. yes, and there will be another call open by the end of this year. So, if uh, if people just Google Adam Kilgariff Prize, uh, they can apply. Um, uh, they get uh, some small amount of money, two and a half thousand euros, I think. And a lifetime access to Sketch Engine as well. So, uh, and we really uh, welcome uh, contributions, particularly from the field of corpus linguistics, of course, which the prize is, uh, you know, designed for together with uh, uh, computer lexicography. So, yes, let me use this opportunity to uh, to to just invite um, every uh, everyone interested to apply. Yeah, of of course. Thank you for for I I, I did want to to actually ask you also. Um, you know about uh you you also run you know training workshops and and things like that where where should people go if if they want to uh to, to sort of learn more about um these kinds of opportunities um well one of the options is to go to our website uh the other perhaps shorter might be simply googling so adam kilgariff prize has a standalone website that is part of uh adam's original homepage. Uh, the training and courses that we organize are part of the Sketch Engine website, and um, they are quite easily to 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 be found. Uh, there is a dedicated course uh, on lexicography called Lexicom that goes on from 2000. That was actually the event where uh, Adam and Pavel met for the for the very first time. Uh, so yeah, well, uh, just go to our website, and uh, hopefully you should be able to find it easily. Great. Okay, we're going to finish with some very, very, very quick fire questions. Okay, okay. so let's see how how quick <laughs> these answers. Um, first question is a yes or no. Uh, is research in corpus linguistics living up to its potential? Oh yes. Great. Uh, number two. What is your uh, number one short piece of advice uh, for students embarking on corpus research? Uh, look at data. I mean, uh, I still believe that reading the corpus, in a way, you know, reading the uh, uh, the results, looking into the data, digging deeper, is extremely useful, particularly at the beginning, to be able to find out that the deeper you dig, the deeper uh, the, the deeper you dig, the more you find. And that's a lesson to learn, uh, sort of, so sort of to know when to stop, uh, but also when to when to go further. Couldn't agree more. And finally. Uh, what will corpus research look like in fifty years? I've got honestly, I've got no idea. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I think it will largely depend on the uh, on the data that will be available. Fifty years ago, there was no internet. Uh, and, you know, linguistic linguistics couldn't be corpus based because all the corpora we had were if called corpora then books, right? Uh, you know, who knows what happens in fifty years? There might be. Uh, new types of data in a way that we are uh, unaware of at this time uh, perhaps uh, multimodal data that will allow us to uh, do the same that we now with um, mostly written text with you know conversations and and, and so on so um, yeah uh, I, I, I would stick to the data it will be up to the data what the research will look like Okay, well, well, we'll see how things go over the next 50 years. 
<laughs> and we can uh, we can chat then and and see if you were right. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, this has been really fascinating to 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 get the chance to to chat with you, hear more about your story, and 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 of course the story of Sketch Engine. That is it for uh, today's episode of Corpus Cast. Thank you for joining us, our viewers and listeners. Um, and uh, do let us know your thoughts uh, about this and other episodes uh, using the hashtag CorpusCast. Um, and you can check out the Aston Corpus Linguistics Research Group on Twitter at Aston Corpus. And you can follow me at LoverMob. CorpusCast is an Aston Originals podcast hosted by me, Robbie Love, and produced by Sam Cook. So thanks again, and thanks one more time to my guest, Milos Yakubicek. Uh, it's been really, really great to speak with you. Thank you very much. Thanks, for Ruby, once again for inviting me. <laughs>